does UKIP have an open door policy for its members? When will gentrification make its mark on EastEnders? I'm just going to hazard a guess, listeners, that many of you are listening to this through headphones. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Here's a question about headphones from Sam in Egham, who Mm. says, I am a 35-year-old male who wears big headphones. Twat. Except I'm not a twat. Oh. I'm actually an audio geek. I had a reel-to-reel tape recorder in my bedroom when I was a teenager. Mm. At 16, I did my work experience at Celestion loudspeakers and got to sit in an anechoic chamber, something Martin should definitely do. That's quite cool. I suppose that qualifies you as an audio geek. Sam says, Ollie, answer me this. Mm. When I wear big headphones out and about, how can I stop people from judging me and lumping me in with all the other big headphone-wearing hipsters? Dr. Dre has a lot to answer for. Well, maybe, Sam and Egan, but maybe you are just as guilty as everyone else. If you're saying that everyone else wearing big headphones is a hipster, maybe everyone else is an audio geek as maybe well. Maybe everyone else did work experience at Celestion Loudspeakers. <laughs> exactly. Judging so much. But I understand because I often uh, see somebody wearing ostentatious headphones and I think, well, they just want me to know that sound quality is so important to them. They require massive headphones. Well, this is it. There's been a uh, synthesis of fashion and Mm. earphones generally, hasn't Mm. there, which Dre, I think, tapped into. That is an emblem of conspicuous uh, consumption if you're wearing a brand which which recognisably cost you £300. Yeah, that's why I really don't have much truck with uh, Beats headphones. And would you care to hazard a guess? And this is a figure from 2011. It may be slightly out of date now by like a dollar. But would you care to hazard a guess how much a pair of uh, those headphones cost to manufacture? About $2. Any rise on two? 15. It's actually eight. (laughs) But $8, they sell them for $399. I mean, I know that that's $8 after you've done the research and development costs and you've built the factory and everything else. But even so, even so, not $399. God. You can get earbuds that are about £1,800. It's earbuds. just mad, isn't it? You'll destroy them one day in your bag and one of the earbuds will have fallen clean off. But the point is, even the earphones that are designed for supposedly audiophiles, audio geeks, I mean, I have a pair of those. I've got a pair of, uh, do you say Bose or Bose? It's Bose. <laughs> I've got a pair of Bose. I think you find it's pronounced Bose. <laughs> I only used the best. I went then to my favourite shop, Bose. <laughs> I got a pair of Bose. <laughs> I assume it was like nose but with a B. A bit like when you've got a cold. Yeah. By Bose, it's blocked. <laughs> yeah. Now they don't sound so cool, do they? No. Well, anyway, <laughs> I got a pair of those genuinely for the sound quality. But what's yeah. interesting is they're unattractive to look at because they're grey. They're like the, yeah. the colour of a Packard Bell desktop well, computer from 1995. Exactly. And that is the fashion message they've obviously spent a lot of money deciding people who buy Bose headphones want to send out, isn't it? I care about audio more than I do about looks. That mm. in itself is a fashion choice. Yeah, except most Bose products do look designery. I think basically he should wear them irrespective. I'm saying this as a man who walks around with an oversized watch, a bright yellow parka that really only Tyson <laughs> Beckford would get away with wearing. You dress uh, like big ears, don't you? <laughs> and neon shoelaces. Um, but, you know, I like all of those things and I wear them because I like them. Yeah. If you like the headphones, wear them, get over it, life's too short. I think a way to get around this in winter would be to disguise your headphones as fluffy earmuffs, which don't look cool despite hipster attempts. And actually headphones are a useful, cooler version of earmuffs, I find. Not good in some of those. Hello, Helen and Ollie. This is Chopper from Commentary again. Can you please answer me this? When a song says featuring and then puts another artist onto it, how much input do they have to do? As in the Rihanna song, Rehab, says featuring Justin Timberlake and he barely mutters three words. 
Thank you. I imagine that most of the new Michael Jackson album is a bit like this, where uh, you featuring know, Michael Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I mean, he, he's essentially the headline artist. I imagine most of it will be him saying the odd word that's been remixed and remastered. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was thinking, I haven't listened. I haven't listened to Escape yet. So, wait, wait, so is it songs is recorded or written or what? So they're songs that were recorded as excess songs because he did always over-record his albums. Right. So I mean, actually, there are offcuts off bad, which are quite good. Yeah. Sure. Um, but they've already been re-released on the bad twenty-fifth anniversary mm-hmm. redux thing so these are the offshoots of albums like invincible and blood on the dance floor Strong. the quality control was not even there for the singles frankly mm. it's like the melancholy and infinite sadness b-sides album all over again <laughs> i was thinking if michael jackson was alive now though he would be making the most appalling music wouldn't he? he'd be working with will i am and, and david getter yeah his songs would be like michael Huh, that would be it. Yeah. Or or he'd be working with Pitbull and he'd be doing his oh, hee hee. Yeah. Ladies, 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 buying our drink. La di da di da, buying our drink. Hee hee. Yeah. Past about 1995, was he really producing any good quality music? I'd argue not. I'd argue, it, I mean, his last truly great pop song, in my opinion, Black or White, that's 1991. <laughs> that's a very annoying mm. song. But I think the best time for him to have died would have been 1991 after the release of Black and White. And before the trouble with Geordie Chandler. In any case, this has been a very lengthy tangent to the question. Yes, sorry. Uh, the question about the question? Featured, arti- featured artists. Oh, right. Um, is there a minimum input that each artist has to have? Mm. That sounds like a ridiculous question, but no doubt there mm. are entertainment lawyers out there who know the answer to that question. Yeah, if 2 Chains is going to be on uh, Give It To You by Robin Thicke, then uh, he won't do any more than 20 seconds of work, that kind of thing. Yeah, or if he does do more than 20 seconds of work, it's got to be equal billing. It's got to be and. Robin Thicke and Pazand, 2 Chains. Yes, which presumably means equal split of royalties for performance. I mean, that's the point, isn't it? I imagine that's why there is that distinction. But if you're you're just on the record, like um, Jay-Z very often is just there going, ah... I can't imagine that he's getting the same as if it was a Jay-Z single. I get the impression that a lot of Jay-Z's contributions to songs are sort of recorded in the style of a Stephen Hawking soundboard, mm. you know, so that at one point, like he was doing Siri or something, he just went in the studio <laughs> and made oh, a load Siri. of noises. <laughs> yeah, he just went, oh, uh-huh, eh. And then people can just dial them in. He doesn't need to be there at all. I think, oh, you've, I think you've cracked his secret wide possible. open. That is amazing. But in any case, uh, the uh, notion of such and such featuring so, so-and-so yes. uh, is a trope from uh, the grand history of pop music. Really? really the first track to feature anyone was the four aces featuring al alberts uh, with their smash hit song three coins in the fountain from 1954 1954 yeah and no. al alberts did a lot more than just go ah oh, then did he what yeah, did he, he do? sang along so like it sounded like he really did yeah he was adding harmony I think he wrote the song as well. Presumably the notion was familiar from when, say, a premium violinist would go and do a guest concert with an mm, orchestra. Precisely. I think originally it made more sense. We now live in a kind of singles buying world, don't we? But it made more or sense. Or singles not buying. Well, I guess, mm. sure. Singles but not, streaming, But not arguably. a long player world. Uh, but not a long player world. Mm. But it, this made more sense in the world of certainly variety theatre, uh, but then even in the world of albums, because mm. you'd clearly have an artist who, who the album was by, and then a track featuring someone who was a guest. It's the idea of a special guest, isn't it? But when it's a single, when it's Coldplay and Rihanna and it's not on either of their albums or it's on both of their albums, it is a bit more complicated because you are more likely to buy it for either artist than for one in particular. Yes. Um, So I I think that's why sometimes you get the ambassand or the with Mm. rather than the featuring. Well, because the Eminem and Rihanna duet, Mm. the burning one, Mm. that featured roughly equal amounts of them. Yeah, I I I would agree. And that is yeah. a duet. That is a straight ambassand. Kylie and Jason. Here's a question from Alan from Dublin who says, Ollie, answer me this. Is it acceptable to use a Groupon voucher for a date? 
<laughs> as in for a restaurant not for the person you're dating <laughs> date rachel at 75 percent off yeah. <laughs> that, do escort sites use groupon i don't even know oh. it's possible uh he says not on a date night when you're in a relationship but on the third or fourth date with someone new mm. so not on a first date either that's interesting that he's gone he's, for third he date agrees, when he agrees yeah. not on the first date the third date traditionally when you might get lucky yeah uh he says and if it is okay mm. Should you tell them you're using it or try to use it sneakily? I think this is a great question. And I think Mm. it very much depends on who you're with and what they're like Mm. and where you're going. So let let me qualify all of that. Who you are, Mm -hmm. I think it matters if you're with someone who, for example, is the kind of person who would say, never guess where I got this dress, only Primark. If they'd say that on date two, if they're that kind of person, then they're the kind of person who would probably appreciate you saying... You never guess where we're going. We're going to insert name of great place because I got it on Groupon. They think, wow, you're the kind of guy who spots a bargain. That's the kind of guy I want. Yeah. Now, that's... Guess guess how much my shoes were. Six pounds. Exactly. If they're that kind of person, then you're on safe footing. Mm -hmm. If you want to find out if they're that kind of person, then just Mm. compliment things that they wear Mm. and see if they then go, oh, this thing is from the charity shop. Yes. That's the way to smoke that information out. Well, actually, this is Versace. Well, if you say this is Versace and it's from the charity shop, that will test both theses, won't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. It, where you're going is also important. Mm-hmm. Um, even with someone who appreciates a bargain. Yep. I think on a date, taking them... To, I'll give you an example. Okay. I've got a taste card. Yes. I use it quite a lot. And that entitles you to what sort of discount in the restaurants of London? Uh, it's either two for one or mm-hmm. it's 50%. Okay, so hefty. The quality of the establishment, sometimes it can be a bit embarrassing. So, for mm. instance, my local tandoori in South Hertfordshire yes. is on taste card. Okay. It's only £7 for a main course there anyway. I feel embarrassed going in there because you have to book in advance on the phone. You have to call and say, oh, hi, yeah, I'd like to reserve two places on, on taste card. And they're like, oh, right, 50% off. Yeah, yeah, 50% off. And then I go and I don't drink anything because I'm working mm. that evening end up spending £3.50 on a curry. I, just, <laughs> I feel embarrassed. Well, that's what they've opened themselves up for. I know. But whereas if I was going to the Ritz and getting the same deal, yeah. that would be fine. And right. I think that, you know, there are a lot of really quite fine dining places on Groupon. So if you're going to a posh restaurant in a yeah. five-star hotel that would normally cost £100 each and you're getting it for 40 quid each, yeah. that's fine, isn't it? I think I'd feel more comfortable as well knowing that such an expensive place wasn't full price. Yeah. For instance, um, our friends Brendy and Lowe took us out for dinner the other week because it was uh, my birthday and our wedding anniversary. But they said it, it, it is on vouchers because I think they'd actually found a confluence of vouchers to make it even cheaper and otherwise the restaurant was super expensive. How did that work? Because usually you can only use one voucher at a time. Yeah, I know. Well, they must have left a loophole so that Groupon could be invoked and also special birthday voucher. Oh, a birthday yes, voucher. Yes, However, Brendy and Lowe said it's critical that you tip on the whole amount, not on the voucher discounted amount. Now, I, yeah. I agree with that. Which is odd from you because you hate tipping. I do, but I, I feel, again, there's a sense of guilt when you've gone, come yeah. away from a restaurant when you know that people around you are spending triple mm. figures and you're not. Idiots. Oh, um, on Groupon. And actually, this happened to me. If you're listening Courthouse Hotel in London, <laughs> you're missing a trick here, right? So the Courthouse Hotel, posh mm. five-star hotel, yeah just off Argyle Street. Mm -hmm. It is literally an old courthouse. It was a courthouse until the early 1980s. It is the room where Oscar Wilde was tried for buggery, right? 
who knew in 1895 whilst they were watching that trial against Oscar Wilde it wasn't actually televised that a uh, <laughs> hundred and however many years later can't do maths quickly uh, people would be sitting there having a five course Thai fusion meal <laughs> but that is what happens you can go in there you can see where the judge sat where the yeah. jury sat they've left it all the same where the doors were for the different rooms really I, cool I wouldn't associate that with Thai fusion I know mm. I think it's because the owner of the courthouse hotel is uh, an Asian of some description oh, okay, an Asian fine. fusion restaurant not just that kind of put a pin in a map and be like oh Right, well, we're cooking uh, Thai Moroccan food then. Yeah, but it is a bit weird because it's such a traditional yes. environment, wood-panelled walls. It should be an English restaurant, really, which is probably why they've got deals on Groupon. I see. Anyway, got a Groupon, went mm -hmm. to the courthouse restaurant. Very cool location. Mm -hmm. Five-course Thai meal. Ooh. I think it was... I mean, it was expensive for a Groupon. I think it was £40 each. Yeah. But like I say, down from like 100 quid. Five courses. Five courses. Eight quid per course average. At the end, uh, I said, can we have the bill, please? Uh, and the guy said, um, oh, no, you're all paid up. Huh? And I was like, okay, but how do I tip if they haven't given me a bill? And then I, you leave cash on the table. Well, they they were making it quite obvious that we were done. Like the mm. waiter was firm with us. He was like, oh no, you're all done. See you soon. Yeah, cash on the table. Do you think that was? I don't think he was asking for cash on the table. Well, I don't I'm sure he wouldn't have said no to it had you left it there. I also wonder though whether if you've got a stockpile of vouchers at home because I know what it how it works. I'm a voucher addict. Oh, I do you this. Are. Yeah. I've got I've got a big poster on my wall with a list of all the vouchers that I've yet to spend so that I can tick them off as I go mm -hmm. through them because otherwise you forget them and that's how they get you, isn't it? You don't spend them on the ones you bought. Um, if you've got a stockpile at home, if you create that impression with a date, that doesn't look so good. Well, you've like, got... Okay, you've got to keep your system under wraps then. Close to your chest. Yes. You've got to be like... We had such a lovely time last time, I thought what you'd really get a kick out of, place you'd really enjoy, yeah. is this place. And maybe on our fourth date, we could go for a fish pedicure. Yep. <laughs> I've got a question. Then email your question to answermeetthispodcast.googlemail.com 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 Here's a question from B who says, When I was growing up, I loved the Spice Girls. Did you now? The sound of uh, reassuring agreement there from the room. <laughs> Good for you, dear. I think I was a bit old yeah, to love the Spice Girls. Also, it wasn't really in my temperament. I was a bit old, but I do remember being very excited when they were going to launch Channel 5. Uh, yeah. But I was more the kind of kid that was excited about a five-night-a-week comedy chat show. Uh, right. I was all in it for the Jack Doherty rather than the Jerry Halliwell. Well, I was not excited about that because Channel 5 was not available in Kent where I grew up. Is that right? Yeah, because it was too close to France. Huh. But I did like the Spice Girls <laughs> enough. Uh, B continues. I adored the Spice Girls so much that in all photos of me as a child, I'm doing that annoying girl power sign uh, that is actually V for victory or whatever. Winston Churchill was the first Spice Girl. <laughs> he had a lot of girl power. Uh, he had big tits. Uh, and I've ruined many family photographs that way. Mel B probably also ruins all of her family photographs that way. <laughs> I always wondered if the girls from Shampoo were angry about uh, the Spice Girls adopting girl power because the Shampoo album was called that years before the Spice Girls. Was it, does Shampoo predate the Spice Girls? I know, astonishing to believe, isn't it? But it is. By at least a couple of years, I think. Wow. Yeah. 
I think probably Shampoo by then were already resigned to their fates. I think that's probably right, yeah. It was sad when Spice Girls came along and burst their bubble, though. Uh, hey! <laughs> uh, B continues. Uh, I had all the Spice Girls merchandise, knew all their songs. That's the minimum level of commitment, isn't it, if you're going to be devoted to some artists that only had three albums? Does she really mean all their songs? Is that including album tracks yeah. of that weird R&B album they did in the year 2000? I want to make you holler at other Jewish delicacies. I would have loved that if they'd done a Jewish bakery-themed album. That would have been amazing. Blintz, anyone? she want to be my lover <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not too late I know Posh won't join in but the rest of them might do it for the money anyway uh, B says she knew all their songs and she even went to see them live once well that truly is devotion I don't, I'm not sure they ever sang live in the true definition of the word she saw them live once yes indeed oh they really lived I loved the Spice Girls so much says B that one Sunday afternoon when I was about 10 years old I entered a radio competition on the Pepsi chart show hosted by Dr. Fox. Uh, now, <laughs> awesome. for kids listening, that, uh, that isn't Dr. Liam Fox, the former defence secretary, uh, but a man who is an unqualified doctor who now presents Magic Breakfast. Ask your mum. <laughs> B continues. My memory of the event is hazy, but I know it was after Jerry had left the group okay. and the competition was promoting a big concert of theirs. Not one of those uh, intimate gigs they used to do at... Uh, <laughs> the 100 Club. The Jazz Cafe, yeah. <laughs> um, Dr. Fox played a line from a Spice Girls song. It was Viva Forever. Uh, and I had to sing the next line. I'll be waiting. Which I did perfectly, obviously. Just as Jerry Halliwell did and then left. Yes. My prize, along with a signed Spice Girls t-shirt, although signed by only the four of them, not Jerry, so that's not as good, is it? No. Um... And a shitload of Pepsi <laughs> was an actual outfit that had been worn by Posh Spice herself. Ooh. Mm. During her Spice Girls career or before then? <laughs> I think it was during. Before then, she would have been 15. Yeah, exactly. But it could just be like her school gym kit or something. Uh, Actually, some people would pay Perverts at the time yeah. would have been very keen. Uh, I remember being disappointed, says B, because the girl who had won earlier in the show won a pair of Baby Spice's shoes. That's extraordinary. If you were a 10-year-old... Would yeah. you rather have Bananarama's shoes or Bananarama's dress when you were 10? Probably the dress, because that I could still attempt to wear now. Yeah, but you wouldn't be thinking about that when you were 10. Or you would, wouldn't you? Because you were focused on being a middle-aged woman. Who did I like when I was 10? Mm. Bob Dylan? Jermaine Greer? I've never been a fan of Greer. Really? Not even of her early singles. Really? Because I actually was a fan of Jermaine Greer when I was 10. And would you have liked to have worn a pair of her shoes? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. I used to watch Late Review. That's, yeah, that's how good I show. learned to blag intelligence. It's a good show. <laughs> and now it's gone. Do you feel very unseated? It's a good question. Bonnie Greer does the paper review now on Sky News. And uh, I've still got a lot of front row stored on my iPod from when Mark Lawson was still presenting. So I feel like I've still got them with me in my heart. Could you hire Bonnie Greer as a tutor for, say, an hour a week just to give you some culture tips? It's amazing how far these questions go into tangents, isn't it? I bet it? you could. Could B ever have dreamt when she sent us this question about a dress from the Pepsi chart show that Helen would ask that as a subsidiary? We haven't even got to the question, really, have no, we? No, we haven't. Let's get I on mean, with we're it. We're still on tent um, <laughs> When Posh Spice's outfit arrived, continues B, it became apparent that it is a garment I will never, ever wear. Well, 
that's funny, isn't it? Because the Spice Girls were all about wearable fashions. Yes, and absolutely all about long-term looks as mm-hmm. well. There's nothing yes. about Classic. those outfits, the Union Jack dress, the heels, yeah. that you would think, why wouldn't I wear this every day? Oh, indeed. So, Helen, answer me this. What should I do 17 years later with this all-in-one Victoria Beckham jumpsuit? Give it to Annika Royce. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I have no proof whatsoever it was ever worn by Victoria. Oh, really? They didn't supply a photo of her in it? That's odd, isn't it? Well, this is the problem. Virgin Records, who presumably the outfit came from Mm. at the time, would have known that no 10-year-old winning a prize on the Pepsi chart show would say, well, that's great, but where's the provenance for antiquity? They just wouldn't say that. For the Antiques Roadshow in 100 years' time, you're so, going to need some kind of confirmation. This is the issue, yeah. If you don't know it's from her, although it's a reputable source of the time, biggest radio show think? in the country at the time, Why would it? they lie? It could just be a costume that she wore very briefly for a photo, couldn't mm. it, rather than something she actually did a dance routine in. But you could smell it for sweat and see if it <laughs> smelled like workwear. Could you do a, a Google reverse image search? Now, you'd have to put the, the, the outfit around someone who looks a bit like Posh Spice or... Well, they're a to a penny, aren't they? Well, praying mantis or something. <laughs> skeleton in a wig, I was going to say. But... A, wooden, a wooden spoon with a melancholy face drawn on it. I well, like Posh Spice, but she does look like an unhappy woman. Well, B continues. Uh, ideally, I would like to sell this thing for mega bucks. Victoria Beckham, after all, is arguably the most successful Spice Girl. I think Mel B would agree with that. I think that's highly arguable. I think they'd all agree with that. Uh, anyway, B says, thinking about it now, I'm sure it could be worth more than Emma Bunton's shoes. That's true. It is better now, isn't it? In retrospect, that you went for the for the outfit yes, from Victoria. Absolutely. Uh, but who the hell would want it? Uh, failing that, I wouldn't mind donating it to a Spice Girl museum or the like. But then again who the hell would want it? Well, I do feel that a properly run Spice Girls museum would want verification that she'd actually worn it. Could they do a DNA swab? Could do a DNA swab. That's, that's, well, I was going to say that's not a bad idea. It is an utterly pointless <laughs> idea. Um, but I think it would fetch a lot on eBay, but again, you would need the verification. One person you could sell this to is the visual artist Liz West, the foremost collector of Spice Girls memorabilia and merchandise. Oh, really? Uh, she has over 5,000 individual items devoted to the <laughs> band. <laughs> Even they didn't call themselves a band. Um, uh, really, really, have you got the scores that they wrote in their own hand? I'm reading off SpiceGirlsCollection.com. Uh, and uh, she has a Guinness World Record to mark her achievement that is a wonderful <laughs> achievement it is yes what an achievement, what what an achievement. she, she may not be academic world. but that's not for everybody she's a record breaker <laughs> oh my god she's she's equal to people that did something really difficult so she supplied the touring spice girls exhibition mm-hmm. uh, she's someone who probably would be able to verify the outfit for you because she'd probably have any photo that victoria beckham posed in for it probably um so that's the way to do it get in touch with her she'd be able to verify and purchase the outfit if that's the way you want to go but i think this is such a hilarious souvenir and she's enclosed a picture of it and it does look a bit like a mechanic's boiler suit but very very small in size yeah so it doesn't take up all that much room and it's the kind of thing where towards the end of the night you can say to your friends never guess what i've got and bring it out i yeah exactly as just for the party trick value because it's it's believable your story yeah uh, ideally what you probably should do is try and get the footage of you on the pepsi chart show so you can verify at least that that happened and then mm. for your story that's great, isn't it? You don't need mm. you don't need the verification. It was worn by Victoria Beckham. You could play the clip to your friends, walk in wearing the boiler yeah. suits. That's funny. If she can fit into it. Oh, do you think that's the might, uh, I mean, subtext if, here? Well, the thing is, with a jumpsuit, even if uh, B is skeletally thin, mm. 
if she's taller than Victoria Beckham, then yeah. you're going to get rotten camel toe. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes. those are not forgiving garments. But what would be amazing is if you had a friend who was a gigantic Victoria Beckham fan, and particularly of her current fashion range, and you could be like, for your birthday, I've got you a bona fide Victoria Beckham <laughs> garment, and then give her this thing from the 90s. It does underline, doesn't it, just how far Victoria Beckham has come in the public imagination. If you said five years ago, the hot name in Haute Couture fashion would be Victoria Beckham. It's yeah. laughable, isn't it? It's like saying Katie Price. But that she could managed happen. To... It could happen. I wouldn't bet against Katie Price. Does she design her own stuff? Victoria Beckham, yeah. She claims to. She claims. I think at, in, at the beginning, she had an inverted commas close relationship with well-known designer Roland Murray. But now he's off doing his own stuff again. And so she has to do it. Well, it's a big company. She can employ people who can actually do the drawings, presumably. She just provides inspiration. I can imagine she is good at that. She does dress well. She's quite an odd character, isn't it? I mean, do you think... So weird. One of the most famous women in the world, and I don't know anything about, really, what she's actually like. Apparently she's really funny. But you, that really, never really comes funny. across on camera, yeah. does it? She's always very, very nervous, isn't she? I mean, she comes across as not a very intelligent woman. Do you think that's 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 fair? Or do you think well, she's actually very talented? She's got this hidden talent. I think that's true of David as well. I also admire David Beckham, but he just doesn't come across like he's got a great deal going on. I think that's his voice though That His voice yeah. takes out about 50 IQ points But they both left school pretty early It's fine if they're not very academic Yeah, yeah. They've got a certain low cunning That has <laughs> taken them a very long way <laughs> Yeah. And uh, if either of them want to come on this show They would be incredibly welcome <laughs> Yes, yes indeed And now It's time for the intermission Brought to you by Answer Me This Episode 1 Available now at answermethisstore.com. We've had a question from Luke, Helen. Have we? Uh, we Luke says, Helen, answer me this. How can one achieve respectability with the minimum of fuss? Uh, You can wear a suit at all times. Yeah. That's fail-safe. Well, you think think back to mass murderers, Mm -hmm. and after 15 years or so, they suddenly get apprehended, and everyone's oh, I'd never have guessed it. It was so respectable and stuff. So do whatever they do. They always say that, don't they? And you always get those guys on Sky News standing in the street going, oh, yeah, I've lived here for eight, lived here for 20 years, really nice area. What does that mean? No one thinks that there's murderers walking around the area that they live. It's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Everyone is a murderer. (laughs) Murderers live in in the yucky murder suburb. Here's a question from Daniel in West Sussex who says, After playing a lot of Tetris recently, I have a question. Ollie, answer me this. Who invented Tetris? And what was the first device that it was available on? Uh, well, we don't have an hour, so this can't be as exhaustive as I would like. Oh. Um, there has already been a book and a feature-length documentary about this. Are you sure it was a documentary and not just a video of Tetris blocks <laughs> falling down the screen? BBC4 do put on any old shit, don't they? You yeah. can imagine they're doing that. It's Tetris weekend. We're going to revisit classic gameplay of Tetris. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would just be sitting there going, I just need a straight one! On. I just need one of the straight ones! Why are all these stupid zigzag ones? I used to play... When you play two-player Tetris... And you had the connect. Did you never do that? I you don't have- oh, you so. didn't. You didn't have a Game Boy, did you? I used to play at my friend's houses on it, the Tetris. If you had a, a, the Game Boy thing, mm-hmm. you could have the little wire going between the two Game Boys. You know, pre-Wi-Fi yeah. age, obviously, um, and the the things were linked. Mm-hmm. So when you scored a Tetris, all four lines, right? That's uh, like would- a bingo, but in Tetris. Yes, it yeah. would then go on to your opponent's screen, so it would boost their lines up, so they lost. Oh, that sounds terrible! That's because awesome. then you're, you're just fighting the Tetris. It was so much fun. Can't we fight the common enemy, Ollie? Get together to just defeat these evil blocks that are falling on our heads. That does sound very Russian, which of course is where the game is from. The guy who invented it was a guy called Alexei Pajitnov, 
he did so in 1984 whilst he was working as a computer programmer at the Academy of Science in Moscow. Oh, I was hoping that he would have been working as a bricklayer or something and he's to entertain himself. <laughs> uh, he designed it on an Electronica 60, uh, which I'd never heard of before, but presumably it's like a Russian version of uh, the BBC Micro or something, right. which he was working on in his place of occupation. Uh, and uh, commercially, mm-hmm. uh, it became available first on the Commodore 64. Now, uh, you will know that Commodore 64 is a Western computer. So how did it make its a way? decadent Western computer. <laughs> How did it make its way from Russia to the Commodore 64? Answer, a British company licensed it, mm-hmm. but they couldn't find Pajitnov. They couldn't get hold of him um, because, you know, again, pre-email, pre-internet, couldn't get hold of him. Yeah. He was under a Soviet regime. Uh, so they just licensed it anyway without paying him a royalty um, on the argument that they tried best practice and couldn't get him. Boom. In which time it became this kind of international phenomenon. Phenomenon. Do, 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 do. And um, the uh, Soviet government then, uh, in response to it becoming an international phenomenon... Non. Uh, then, uh, I'm not playing with you, I'm <laughs> correcting you. Uh, then actually bought the rights themselves. The Soviet government? Yes. Why? So for a long time, uh, anyone playing Tetris was actually giving a royalty to the Soviet government. Wow. And did um, they make all the pieces red and sickle-shaped? I don't think so, but mm. that's why it had this Russian flavour. So that's why on the Game Boy version you got the full-on... They replayed up the Russian origins. Eventually, in 1996, Alexei Pajitnov was... Able to claim the rights to the game fully. How? Uh, By becoming Russian president? uh, Well, the government basically relinquished the rights to him. The Russian government conceding rights to him, that sounds out of character, doesn't it? Well, not really, because, you know, in the meantime, they'd embraced consumerism, hadn't they? Or supposedly had. Yeah, but still, nice little learner for them. Yeah, but it wasn't really in, you know, it didn't look good that they were taking the money for themselves. Right, okay. So, anyway, he found. In that free press. That they had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he founded a company called the Tetris Company, who are now the owners of Tetris. Now, if you make a game and call it Tetris, or it's anything like Tetris, you have to pay him a royalty. So if it's one of these jokey ones where it's sheep or something instead of the bricks, exactly. you still have to pay. But it's a bit of an uphill battle now because there were so many years of lax enforcement. Uh, And, uh, I mean, just recently he sent 35 letters to people selling versions of Tetris on the Android marketplace. So the genie's kind of out of the bottle, really. And by the way, do you know the name of the blocks? Uh... Ted, Vladimir, <laughs> Svetlana, <laughs> and Bob. Um, <laughs> um, they are tetrominoes. Tetrominoes. They're four-sided domino pieces, which I'd never thought of before. No, I didn't. Because I guess you only play dominoes, and so you don't think of them as being multi-shaped. Well, but... I used to have triominoes, which was the triangular domino. Right, yeah. It was all right. So that, think about it. That is yeah. four blocks arranged in every possible combination. That's a tetromino. No, because dominoes, the, the dots on the dominoes, I feel, are a critical characteristic, sure. which Tetris does not have. It's not about the dots. It's not. But it makes you think, why didn't someone come along and do it with five or six-sided things? Mm. Um, Well, that's getting rid of the whole copyright issue. Well, I think the problem is he bottled genius when he created Tetris. It's so addictive. Even he hasn't been able to match the success of it. He's worked since as a consultant on other video games. Has he ever launched another one himself? Yeah, there's a, there's a new Tetris. It's called The New Tetris. As if someone's going to pay to buy Tetris now. But um, in The New Tetris, you get to see three pieces in advance. Oh, so then you can be like, well, I'm not going to bother holding out for that long straight one. Yeah, which I think is a bit of a spoiler, isn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I like it when you see one piece in advance, but three, that's... Uh... That seems quite Russian, though, because chess, you have to play a lot of moves ahead. Mm-hmm. It's just the vertical chess. I guess. Not as much Connect Four as the vertical chess, but you get my drift. Here is a question from Ben in Bath, although originally from Walsall. Good to know. But, yeah, oh. I thought you'd be pleased to know. Midlands. He says, Ollie, answer me this. What is bubblegum flavour? 
You can get bubblegum in many different flavours. However, there are many extra bubblegum products, those million sweets, for example, that claim to be flavoured like bubblegum. I remember when I was eight, huge treat going to a place in South Africa that had lots of different flavours of milkshake, one of which was bubblegum. That was about the most exotic thing I'd ever seen because I wasn't really allowed artificial flavours and stuff. Wasn't mm. allowed it. Even though the parents said you can have a milkshake. Specifically, I couldn't have the bubblegum one. And it was blue. Because they were worried that it would start off a craving for bubblegum. I think they just just like dashing my dreams. No, they probably did think this slippery slope this, isn't it? If she has the bubblegum flavoured milkshake, it'll just be a few short hops away from crack cocaine. You'll see. It's a gateway drug. Yeah. I bet in America they have milkshake flavoured bubblegum as well. Almost certainly. Just to complete the circle. They have birthday cake flavoured M&Ms, even though that is not a flavouring, that is a genre of cake. Although I sort of know what that would taste like. It would be a sort of jam sponge cake. Cream. Jam sponge cream, yeah. Mm. Which is a similar story with the uh, bubblegum flavour. Okay, right, okay. Well, shall I finish reading Ben's question? He says, I can't imagine it being entirely synthetic. Well, I can. Yeah, uh, <laughs> So is it a blend of fruity flavours? Well, it sort of is, yeah. Or even a single fruit flavour? I think you'll agree this whole thing is baffling. Um... No, I don't think it is. Uh, I, I disagree. I, I disagree because I think because I think yes, it is a genre bubblegum. Yeah. But you say it and you know roughly what yeah. it means, and I think that's because you know how whatever people put in their bin, everyone's bin still smells of bin. Yes. In the same way, I think whatever flavour bubblegum allegedly is, yeah. When it's been popped in your face, it smells of bubblegum. There's you- an overriding yeah. smell of like fruit and sugar artifice yes basically if you want to make bubble gum in a kitchen at home this is how you do it it's like breaking bad (laughs) (laughs) the flavor is three parts banana three parts pineapple all artificial versions of these right whereas if you actually blend this fruit together yeah yeah. yeah, not actually banana which is only about 10% recognisable as banana exactly three parts banana flavour three parts pineapple flavour two parts wintergreen what one part cinnamon wait wait wintergreen it's like mint I guess. Or or it might be one of those weird herbal mixtures. One part cinnamon mm-hmm. and one part clove. That's no. what makes bubblegum favourite. No! That's crazy. Yeah. I, never it. in a million years would I have guessed any of those five no. ingredients, let alone a combo. Although those things blended together as a smoothie probably would be quite nice and not smell like Professor Burp's Waffle Works. Oh, anyone of a certain age you've just taken back to their childhood. Anyone not of a certain age has no idea what you just said. When did they abolish... Abolish. <laughs> they had to close it down. They raised it was just it to too the exciting. He's <laughs> pla- caught for plagiarism. They took his doctor off him. He's now Professor Emeritus, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever helped your mum build a website. It is the kind of torment from which there is no respite. If she asks, What's a widget again? I will kill her with a rusty spike. Or a brick or a spade or a chainsaw. But Squarespace is so easy, even your mum can use it. She can drag and drop and cut and paste, that's all there is to it. So Helen, put that spike down, I beg you, for Christ's sake, don't do it! Sorry, mum. Thanks jolly much to Squarespace for... Thanks jolly much. Thanks jolly much indeed. No one to, says that in real life, do Well, I, I thought Squarespace were American. They might like to hear... Yeah, you're right. They'll just think very, it's... very, very English-seeming right, term. they'll think that's charming, won't they? Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your spiffing support. What, what? Pip, pip. And you too can do a Bertie Worcester-style gratitude noise towards Squarespace because they are offering you, dear listener, 10% off their marvellous web design and web hosting services for a whole year if you use the code ANSWER. Here's a question from Charlie, who says, During the London 2012 Olympics, there are about 80-odd statues around London of Wenlock and Mandeville, the mascots. The uh, mm. Cyclopean phalluses. Oh, they were horrifying, weren't Absolutely they? Absolutely horrific. Yeah. Ollie answered me this. When the game's finished, 
They'll never finish in our hearts. Go, Mo. <laughs> Come on, Tim. No, that's something else. Uh, when the game's finished, yeah. what happens to them? And can I buy one? My kids loved them. I'm sorry to tell you, Charlie, that shortly after the games, there was a big auction of a lot of Olympic paraphernalia. And I think most of the big statues of Wenlock and Mandeville went for tens of thousands of pounds there's not much evidence of it online though i had a look oh. for this the only one i could find was from a local paper from mulvern who were very proud because uh, sherlock wenlock the one that was based on sir arthur conan doyle's iconic super sleuth as reported by the local Except paper for rendered as a one-eyed monstrosity yeah no one uses the word sleuth in real life no one they? does no only in papers when i worked on this morning we used to introduce uh, paul ross as our tv sleuth Ooh. Um, because he'd be telling you what was on the tv that week made no sense anyway no. Um, and it, more and more elaborate uh, teases in the menu shots each week for paul ross coming up just because work. they'd chosen that word just because they chose that like word. bloke who talks about tv to the point where there was one week where he was dressed full on as poirot like <laughs> hat mustache giant uh, magnifying glass like the cloak and everything and um yeah music over the top do 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 who's this oh it's our tv super sleuth paul ross he was investigating the disappearance of missing television well because he was investigating what's on bbc one this wednesday at eight o'clock that's easy anyway uh, sherlock wenlock ended up in malvern that cost them six and a half grand apparently Oof. well you could go and nick it charlie uh. <laughs> but that would be mean but uh, it's hard to find where most of them ended up and some of them were quite cool actually i, okay. I hated wenlock and mandeville i think they were hideous mascots yes i believe we have uh, held forth on We've that covered this before. but yes answer me this sports day available now as <laughs> an album for only £2.49. Uh, Unlike Wenlock and Mandeville, indeed. it's a much cheaper souvenir of that wonderful time in 2012. But um, the ones that were giant, the ones that were dressed as like guards at the Tower of London or Big yeah. Ben, they were actually quite cool. Okay, but I wouldn't want to have one. Just your kids loved them when mm. they were in position on the south bank of the Thames, mm. for instance. Mm. In your house, they would be terrifyingly large and terrifyingly cyclopean. Yes, I think also the um, novelty would wear off quickly. Well, kids are very capricious, aren't they? Mm. I mean, they probably loved Etch-a-Sketch for about a millisecond. Well, that's it. I remember actually <laughs> at uh, a wedding uh, within my family, uh, I was sitting at a table with my cousin Miles, who at the time mm. was 11 years old. And uh, my great uncle was performing an East End piano-based song sort of Chaz and Dave style thing okay. with his friends from the bridge club and Miles was making a load of noise the whole way through the performance Miles. at the wedding was he trying to join in? no he was just bored oh. like he was 11 years old he's bored okay. watching a load of 70 year olds performing an old song from the East End but obviously as the adult next to him I was like Miles do you want to just you know keep quiet have, have respect for Uncle Sam who's performing his favourite song he didn't understand he just wanted to sing it one more time and before he, he like, dies it's so boring it's so boring and I was like okay I thought let me try and think of a comparison here I can make to get him on, on board so I said okay Imagine at your bar mitzvah, I stood up and sung your favourite song to you. That's what this is like. In two years' time at your bar mitzvah, what would you really like me to sing to you? And he said Eternity by Robbie Williams. Ah, bad choice, Miles. <laughs> is there I... a rap in that? Which one? How does that one go? It's terrible. You were there for summer dreaming. And um, I... Uh, lodged that away in the back of my brain and I did just think <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him but when he's 13 and trying to be cool you know just before they play the hip dance tunes of the day that he wanted to impress his friends with I just thought it would be so cool to stand up and sing Eternity by Robbie Williams to him because he'd specifically requested it Did it shut him up you having drawn that analogy? Yes it did actually Good He went like you. okay okay this is their eternity <laughs> But it's interesting that Charlie's kids did love Wenlock and Mandeville because at the time they were highly criticised by grown-ups but yeah. the research always said that children engage with them, that the target audience like them, related well, yeah. to them. Yeah, they do look like blobs, and that's a popular shape for children's things to be. It's like Moomins, Barber Puppers. Mm. And they look like they're from the digital age as well. Yeah. You know, which children are. 
but adults don't like that idea no but they you know to us they looked hideous but i, I think kids always did kind of like them um but nonetheless i guess it's adults with the spending power isn't it and apparently yeah. hornby the manufacturer of the toys their uh, shares fell by a third as a result of poor sales after the olympics well also a lot of the souvenirs did not look like they were particularly well made you could get an inflatable wenlock or mandeville could you? you yeah but you, I think, you mean like a sex doll no you can't you can't no <laughs> you can get well they're only about a foot long yeah. so maybe uh maybe not for your kids though no um but you could get them that as a compensation but they might just not be that bothered now it's two years later they don't have the meaning that they had then. exactly they well, were my, just a sideshow my eternity point yeah ironic he chose that title because it's anything but eternity his love for that song kids desires change quickly they really do i went for a swim in the olympic pool the other day how was it in the actual olympic pool and uh did you win a medal <laughs> yeah i won a medal for getting everyone out of my lane uh, people, I don't know what I don't know what is quirky about my swimming style. Something you fart eccentric. a lot, uh, but yeah, clear. You constantly look like you're draining. There was no one there. I've been for a swim in the Crystal Palace pool, which is twenty centimeters too short to be an Olympic pool because they forgot to allow for the tiling. But it's intimidating, first mm. of all, because there's stadium-style seating. Yes, they on have one this side. too. Yeah, I don't really like the feeling that I'm being watched because I'm the slowest person in the pool. Secondly, very tiring Olympic length pool. Fifty meters. Yeah, I was taking a break most lengths. But the thing I found weird about it is they've spent God knows how many millions opening this place right mm. i mean if you include the olympic money obviously loads but even just restoring it since yes. the olympics for public use and they haven't put in a swimming costume dryer i mean really? what, they have I've, nev- I've never been to a place that has a swimming costume dryer is that What's common that? now is well, that like a solid spinner yes exactly it's like is a it? solid spinner for your trunks exactly like that that's cool they're very common i would go as far to say ubiquitous in private health clubs oh i but see but public health clubs the ones run by the councils you know make a point of not having them yeah but they can't cost that much compared to restoring the Olympic swimming pool. Mm. And I just think within the budget for that, you'd make everyone's life happy. You've then got to go on the Jubilee line with your wet trunks. And how did you'd make Mike- everyone's life happier if you had the salad mm. spinner for the clothes. How did Michael Phelps dry his trunks? Exactly. I bet they had them there and took them out afterwards. God damn it. Yeah. And you can't take your towel to the pool. What now? Nowhere to put your towel. Basic human rights. <laughs> you like you. I was walking out with my towel because I'm a bit shy still. Yeah. I wear the towel over my body. Well, you like the element of surprise, though, <laughs> don't you? Like, ta-da! Here I am. Torso of the week, uh, and um, uh, and uh, the swimming pool attendant guy like blew his whistle and wagged his finger at me. Like, well, uh-uh-uh, back in the locker. They don't want the danger that Tom Daly's going to cover up, do they? I guess. And I was the Tom Daly there that day. Clearly, so. the closest thing to it. God, sounds rubbish yeah well no it was cool going. it was really cool to be in the actual Fine. olympic pool but the park itself mm. i did kind of, as in 2012 i was walking around thinking well this would be nice when they finish it <laughs> it's like it's 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 got some nice bits but it's basically concrete and looking at a shopping center isn't it well there's a lot of space that was used for corralling crowds and now is just nothingness yes um gravel bridges yeah i mean that's not really what you want to see in a park i know they've installed all cool things like climbing frames and skating ramps and it's all supposed to be about not supposed to climb on the anish kapoor <laughs> but that was weird as well that is open that is technically open you can pay to go up yeah. it not a soul there and in any other country that had had the olympics that would become a major tourist attraction immediately you went there it wasn't even obvious it was open i had to go in i had to go up to the security guard and say it's not open is it and he said, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you can buy a ticket. It's like if they didn't make a feature of the Empire State Building yeah. having working lifts. We're so bad at that kind How of thing. How much does it cost to go up the... Uh, a bit much, about £14. That's yeah. too much. Yeah. Um, Five American. But of course, what could be a better bargain than this podcast? Because it's free at the point of use. 
Uh, Good point, actually. Yeah. We don't flag that up enough, the bargainous nature of yeah. this. I suppose you need quite a lot of expensive electronic devices to listen to podcasts. That is the end of this episode, but if you would like to send us a question to be featured in our next episode... Then don't resist that impulse, listeners. Indeed. Give in to it. Yes. All our contact details are easily perusable upon our website, answermethispodcast.com. Also on there, links for our old episodes, for our Twitter account and our Facebook page, and a whole lot of written stuff around the show. And uh, all that is left is for us to say thank you again to Squarespace. Most kind. Thanks, guys. You the best. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.